Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. Coming at you from Madrid in Spain. I got on a flight this morning and flew from Heathrow to Madrid to test drive a car. I'm not the only one on this trip. With me is the inimitable Zog. Hey Zog. Hey there. So... Our steed for this journey. Are you excited by it? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm much more excited than I usually am by a small family vehicle. It's a kind of mini MPV class vehicle. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. The sun's out. Lovely day for a drive. Exactly. Not that that will sway our review of the car. The fact that we're in lovely warm Spain as opposed to very wet Britain, which was horribly grey this morning. Yeah, this was definitely o'clock. the right place to come to today, I think. Yeah. Much better. The car we're driving, by the way, is the new Toyota Verso S, which, as Zog correctly said, is a mini MPV. The S, I believe, stands for small. And the car is filling in a gap where Toyota used to have the Yaris Verso. And compared to the Yaris Verso, this is quite a handsome little thing. The Yaris Verso looked a bit like a bread van or an ice cream van, in my opinion. But this thing, that's kind of nice. But you have to say, it does look a bit like... A Honda Jazz, doesn't it? It really does. But look at this front line. It's got a line that sweeps up from the front bumper all the way up, which merges into the B pillar, giving it a look of an A class or even that Mitsubishi. It's got a bit of a look of the IQ about it at the front. Yeah. I'm looking forward to sort of seeing how the interior space of this thing works out because first impressions are very much that Toyota done a good packaging job with fitting a lot of space into that thing, but without making the outside too big. It looks like a nice compact little car that you'd be happy to drive around London streets. Well, you know what, Zog? If it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, oh, it's the that, right colour. Yeah, because it's an almost police boxish blue, perhaps. <laughs> uh, I don't remember them doing police boxes in that metallic shade. but Almost um, indigo, isn't it? Almost. All right, well, let's get in and see if we can navigate. I'll drive first, shall I? Right. In we go. does seem very tall in here and it's got this enormous panoramic ceiling or roof a glass roof which means it's a bit like sitting in a greenhouse at the moment it's very very hot in here so uh, let's get the engine started and get the ac on now then is this the uh, the manual it is this one is the manual one, and we've got one with a, a Van Dorn transmission, although I don't think we're allowed to call it that anymore. A continuously variable transmission, which I think Toyota have got their own name for. Right, well, the engine's running. Can you hear it? Vim, a little 1.33 litre four cylinder engine. Now, Stop I better. These things in the back. Okay, Zog's putting the camera and stuff in the back. I'm going to. Try and adjust the steering wheel. If there is adjustment. Yes, there is. Right. Let's drive. Hello, Spain. Okay, run the right hand side of the road. Thank you very much. Key bit of information. We've got nice people from Toyota who are indicating which way we should go by standing at every junction and pointing politely. Thereby preventing us from driving round and round a car park in circles. I think people are going to do that all the way along, you know, for our whole trip to Spain. <laughs> people wipe say, oh, no, that way. Gracias, thank you. Turn right. Okay. Okay, then. 
that strange feeling that you're sitting very low in the car simply because it's so high it's a very tall car and you feel like you want to be sitting right up near the ceiling because you are so often in well the sort of cars we drive coupes to be sitting with this much space above your head actually noddy holder could fit in here wearing his top hat actually that, that, that would work <laughs> There's a 2CV connection there somewhere. They designed the 2CV so you could wear a hat, is that right? Supposedly one of the design criteria of the 2CV was that a French farmer should be able to drive it across a field with a basket of eggs without the eggs getting broken, I think. And I'm somehow getting that mixed up right, with uh, right. driving across a field. Were you paying attention to those directions? Um, yes, we've got a bare right and then keep turn right. right. Then bear. Okay, keep right. That's it. Gone yeah. the wrong way already. Good start. That's okay. We can go around the runner at the end there. <clears throat> How long did that take? Two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Good start. Well, they say if you're going to make mistakes, you make them early. Yeah, exactly. After 100 meters. Go around the roundabout. Third exit. Junction where we might make a wrong turn. Where's the Toyota going in? This is the T Spirit version, isn't it? Oh, the yeah. T Spirit is the manual, is it? Um, the the well, TR is the. Oh no, there are two versions, yeah? Yeah, there are two versions. There's the TR and the T Spirit. So the TR is the base model, the T Spirit is the more, uh, more upmarket version with yeah. the, uh, the alloy wheels, right. electric rear windows and things like that. After 600 meters, because a lot of the difference has come with those packs, you know, navigation pack, safety pack, protection pack. Keep right, then take the motorway. I'll probably get a slightly better eye on the actual details that was out there, so uh, don't worry about peering too hard on the screen. Yeah, that was about the in car system, reading up about it. The thing that I think is interesting about it is this app store side to it. The sat-nav itself, I think, is Toyota's own system, but it then piggybacks on Google Maps for extra local information for, you know, nearest coffee shop, um, that kind of stuff. And parking spaces, it will discover for you as well. The app store for this isn't open until May of this year, apparently, but I don't know if that's a, a Toyota app store. Well, that's what I've been to ask them about actually because yeah. a couple of interesting questions come up there because you know that's potentially a very interesting area now what I'm wondering is are the apps that we're talking about here Toyota only apps are third party developers going to be making apps can anybody make an app mm. if anybody can make an app and put it in a Verso or a Toyota automotive app store just what kind of stuff can you get control of on the car? How badly can you mess that car up by writing a bit of software for it? Is the key question. <laughs> um, well, we could really mess a car up with our software. Vamos. <laughs> Let's go. Vamos. Vamos. It's a lovely sounding engine, isn't it? It brims. No, it's got a nice little. Uh, it's a VVTI thing, isn't it? With variable valve timing, as yep. I think all Toyotas probably are these days. 
very efficient actually. And the spec looks rather good. Uh, Fifty-four miles to the gallon, or something like that. Yeah, I think fifty-four is the version with the continuously variable transmission. Yeah, I think it was like fifty-one, fifty-two yeah. for the six-speed manual. But yeah, it is interesting to kind of think about just how much more efficient petrol engines are getting. More than fifty miles to the gallon in a comfortable in car. A, yeah, in a comfortable yeah. family car like this. We're not in a Kia Picanto, are we? There's yeah. definitely a sense of substance to this. It's, it's really very impressive. But it's very light. It's the lightest car in its class. But I want to know what they consider the class to be. Uh, yeah, good question. Are we competing with the little Vauxhall people mover? What's that called this week? I mean, I thought it's the Honda Jazz, as mentioned earlier, undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, there's a Kia thing, isn't there? So what's your impression of the driving spirit? You're sitting in an MPV, there's no doubt about that, because you've got this incredible height above you. You can't see the nose of the car, which vanishes as it plunges. Yeah. You've got a massive, what do we call that, front deck, the dashboard. Uh, absolutely mm. massive. You could, Mantelpiece. Man- <laughs> the technical term for that part of the car is a mantelpiece. It's a mantelpiece. You could actually lie on there, I would think. Actually, you know, you could. Yeah. So whilst it may have five seats, there's also a single bed. Yeah, I think, I mean, Rich would have a hard time in there, but I, I, I could just about curl up and get a good night's sleep uh, in that space. That would be a first. It, I, I, I have, well, yeah, actually it would, but um, I have slept in cars. Oh, I'm to change down from sixth to fifth at... 100 k's, about 62 miles per hour. There's a slight incline in the road, but I guess with a six-speed manual gearbox. Okay, she shouted that out nice and loud, didn't she? After 800 meters, take the exit, then keep left. Interesting that the sat-nav we're using is not the one built into the car, but a TomTom, which has been installed specifically for the purposes of this test because it's got all the route that we need to follow programmed into it unless this car doesn't have such after 300 meters keep left then take the motorway keep left i think it might be because maybe the satnav software for the verso isn't actually going to be available until may right Uh, and when this goes on sale because that would be terrible if you had to buy a car in March, I would, I would, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'd wait till the other Saturdays available before they sell it. We've got to remember. Yeah, it's a shame because actually the uh, Tom Tom's fine. It's certainly got a nice loud voice, but the screen for the onboard sat nav entertainment etc. system is much bigger, and it doesn't block part of the windscreen. So yeah, it'd be nice to be able to use it with its own sat nav. But I wonder if the car will drive tomorrow morning. We'll have the sat-nav live I wonder I'm going to bet that they're not going to let any British journalists wander around Spain without sat-nav <laughs> to get them back to base I think particularly you and me yeah we've already lost our tripod which was BA's fault not ours but um, <laughs> yeah we've kind of done our wandering well, around the airport looking a bit clueless bit well apart from the tripod not making it to Spain we almost didn't make the flight because I confused (laughs) our seat number with the gate number Yes, (laughs) we were queuing for a virgin flight to Los Angeles for about 5 minutes before we realised this isn't where we need to be 
uh, we had to double back right across Terminal 3 and eventually did make the plane, as you can no doubt tell, being as rare here. <laughs> Valencia. Some of the best driving I've ever enjoyed, I think, was in Spain some, gosh, 23 years ago or something like that, when uh, <clears throat> I drove my Lancia HPE from London to a little place called Culera, not that far from Valencia. And en route, we went over some mountains in northern Spain and all the way over to Vigo, near the Portuguese border. And over those mountains, I got into, I won't call it a race, but I was driving very quickly along with an Opal Cadet GSI. And we were going like the wind over these fantastic empty Spanish roads. And I can't remember ever enjoying a bit of driving quite as much as that. So having a bit of space is something you enjoy when you come to mainland Europe. I think we get used to driving on crowded roads, particularly in southern England, which is where I live. And, you know, you're liberated by the space available in places like France and Spain. No wonder car launches are done here, and it's not just for the weather, is it, Tom? No, as you say, space, roads. Yeah, also... I suspect it's, you know, it's probably a fair bit cheaper to do whatever you need to do around than a car launch. Cheaper to do that in Spain probably than most of the European countries. Yeah. Garrett Jones and Speed! Well, it's now 5.30 in the evening here in Spain. Evening, it doesn't feel like evening. It's bright sunshine out. And I've swapped over and now it's Zog's turn to drive. Zog, I know you've only been driving this thing for about four minutes. Give us your gut reaction. So far I'm liking it. The view helps, the fact that we're looking out at a glorious Spanish vista. You can call it a vista, yeah. yeah absolutely. The, the light is just fantastic. It's that sort of couple of hours before sunset, golden hours they call it, when directors of photography particularly like to do their filming because everything just looks so much better. Colours are richer and uh, is that? It just looks fantastic. But is, uh, oh yeah, the car. Sorry. No, is that? Just talking about the the golden arrow for a minute. Is that because the sun is after six hundred? Oh, shut up. <laughs> Cross the roundabout. Second exit. Is that because the sun is lower in the sky, so it's shining through a greater amount of atmosphere, so it's shifting the light slightly more golden, perhaps? I um. Well, it might be filtering. Cross the roundabout. Second exit. I think it's just that the light is a bit warmer, redder. There's more red in the. Uh, yeah. Uh, Take or a, the greater, exit. a greater proportion of red. A higher proportion of red wavelengths in uh, in this kind of dusk light than there is in midday light, which is bluer, I guess. Bluer. Yeah. 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 And those more red orange tones we perceive of as warmer. So, Zog, instead of driving a big, was it two and a half litre four cylinder Porsche engine that's turbocharged that you normally drive, you're in a 1.33 litre 100 brake horsepower Toyota variable valve timing four. How does that compare? What's the engine like from your point of view? Oh, it's fine. It's lively enough for the job. It's no great power horse if you like but it's lively enough now these first few minutes one's just getting a feeling of decently weighted steering you know everything's happening 
nice and predictably. Sometimes when you get in a little car like this, everything feels a bit too light and you tend to throw it around a bit and you have to adapt your driving style and drive a bit more softly. But this seems to be well-balanced weighting about the controls, doesn't it? It doesn't feel like a baby doesn't car. doesn't feel too light, yeah, no, I agree. It just takes a few minutes to adjust to changing gear with your right hand when you're used to doing it with your left. It somehow sort of throws your whole body coordination for a few minutes until you've got it sorted out. It's almost like, you know, your your legs don't quite know what they're doing because they're sort of confused by the fact that the wrong hand's moving to change gear or something. Yeah. Now, that's not because the gear shift is on the right-hand side and this is a right-hand drive car. It is a left-hand drive car, which always yeah, well, makes a difference. You always well done have to adapt. Well, I'll let you concentrate for a bit because we've got a couple of hours driving, I think, before we arrive at our destination this evening where we're going to have a briefing on the car. So we'll do our homework, we'll find out everything there is to know about the Verso S and we'll tell you a little bit later in the show. Not a bad day for a drive, though. Yeah, I think cocktails are being served in... 20 minutes, we better hurry up. Welcome back to our road test of the Verso S. It's now day two. Uh, we've spent the morning driving around the beautiful city of Toledo in Spain. An absolutely lovely medieval, would you say it was medieval, so? Yeah, I'd say it was medieval. It was yeah. a beautiful, beautiful place. But I, yeah, but we both sort of realised we don't know as much about Toledo as we like. So, uh, no, we'll, we'll have to come back and do it. Uh, this is not a tourist trip. This is a car this review, yeah. <laughs> apparently. Interesting, what they did today was give us the opportunity to drive this car around the little cobbled streets of a medieval Spanish town because it's an urban car and last night when we went to the press conference which told us everything we needed to know about this car they told us something which I think was surprising to both of us that this car the Verso S is aimed primarily at what we call empty nesters. I suppose those are people in their late 50s, early 60s, who've got children who have just grown up and have just left home. And that seems at odds with this kind of MPV. I mean, MPV's a family car, isn't it? So? Well, good, good question. I mean, I associate this kind of flexibility that Versa has in terms of its load-carrying ability, where you can stash stuff, where you can pile your shopping, how you can take the seats out, how you can fold the seats down. I associate that with young families, with uh, mm-hmm. you know, with friends I have who are constantly pulling seats out to stuff another child in a box of toys that's going to keep them happy in the car. So in as much as I thought about where this car is aimed, I hadn't imagined it being aimed at an older market like that. You know, but I guess you know, those empty nesters are going mountain biking, they're loading up their camping goodies, uh, in your case. Yes. Uh, you know. <laughs> And that ability to rearrange the interior space. But it did strike me. If the object of the exercise here is to make a car that combines the compactness of you know, maybe a super mini kind of car with that 
flexible load space. I think they've done a beautiful job of it. Cause yes. You know, it does feel in a totally different class to something like the Mazda MPV. Yeah. It's the vehicle I know best in that class. Yeah. That, um, it's a size up from this, I think, the Mazda MPV. It is a size yeah. up, you know, but even so, this just feels like a nice little family car. It's competing with cars like the Picasso C3, the Vauxhall Mariva. That kind of, well, not quite micro MPV, that would be a Suzuki Wagoner, it's one size up. But when you get out of the car and walk around it, you realise just how small it is. It does seem quite narrow, it has a very small footprint, perhaps about the same as the Fiesta, but it is much taller, you sit upright, and so you're making most of the space. The rear legroom, actually, is tremendous in this car. Have you been in the back? It's, 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 I haven't sat in the back, no, I've just, it, I've just it, stuffed it, bags and cameras in there. Very good. I'd say it offers probably more space than the Mercedes A-Class, I reckon, this oh, car. Okay, well, I might check that out. Actually, in terms of space, one thing that I noticed that is absolutely brilliant is that there's enough space in this little locker that's above the glove compartment, if you like. There's a you know, glove compartment, mat box above the passenger footwell, and then a cubby hole with a lid on top of that. And that cubby hole is big enough to take a whole video camera, which is sitting in there right now, completely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, not sliding around, not falling out. So, yeah, I'm very impressed by how big some of those little stash spaces are. They boast that this car's got 19 oddments storage spaces. Well, remember, good. Uh, well they've done. got, you know, door bins, spaces in between the seats to store stuff, a double yeah. level glove box, although to call it a glove box, it's more like a glove trunk, I suppose, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all the, the cup holders and everything. And it's pretty well teched up, you know, you've got remote control for the telephone and the stereo and stuff on the steering wheel in this model which I believe is like the mid-grade one it's not the top-end one but there's one thing about this car I think is at odds with the customer base they're aiming for and that's this whole apps issue whereby you can download applications for the car which will tell you about parking tell you about fuel prices and things like this I don't think empty nesters are the people who are really interested in downloading apps to your phones or to your car. I think that's a much younger group of people. Our group, basically. And younger. Well, yeah, although there are a couple of things there. And I suppose we should just briefly recap and say that part of the idea with the Verso, and this is going to be true of other Toyota models as well, that there will be software updates and new apps for the onboard navigation media system that you can download over the internet and install on your car. The important detail, by the way, about how it gets from your PC to the car, we're not quite sure about right now and we couldn't get that information last night, so can't fill in that blank, but th that's the basic idea. Now, a couple of things here, because I don't necessarily agree that it's something that isn't going to appeal so much to that older market because I, I suspect that in marketing this car and the idea of those software updates the word app store has been brought in and used and applied in a way that maybe isn't 100% appropriate mm -hmm. in other words the app store or an app store in the kind of Apple Android sense of the word where all kinds of developers are creating products, making them available, and you choose, you know, whatever you want to download and install. The Toyota App Store, the Verso App Store, isn't going to be like that. Software that's going to be on there, it's Toyota's software. We can't write an app to, you know, 
make the horn sound different and turn up the volume when you're going in a corner or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's going to be turned off. So it's actually not tapping into that same sort of dynamic. Toyota are simply borrowing an expression for a software upgrade for yeah. your infotainment system, yeah, ultimately. So they're using that, that app store name. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be downloading Angry Birds for your Versa. You know, nice though that would be. Um, <laughs> so there we go. But it is going to be interesting to see just how much Toyota do with that, you know, because... Mm. The, the joy of going to a launch like this is you get to have dinner with the people who market the car, sell the car, and d- indeed design and engineer the car. Um, one of the things we learnt last night was the reason this whole apps thing has come to this car first wasn't a conscious decision. It's just that in Toyota's cycle of new cars coming out, the Verso S was the car due to come out at the time when this software was just about to be available. Initially, they wanted to put it on the Yaris, which is aimed at a much younger audience, but it will be brought out right across the whole Toyota range. Yeah, yeah. Another point that was made about the Verso and what Toyota are trying to achieve with it was uh, this idea of technology being accessible, just easy to deal with. And again, I think they've done that nice. Well, we've both we- managed to get our phones, my Android phone and your iPhone, to talk to the entertainment system in the car. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of button pushes. And we've just worked that out. We haven't looked at any manuals, anything else that we've had to deal with technology-wise in the car, you know, on the media system there. You know, It's all just been obvious. It's all been intuitive. And it just works. And that's the most important thing, yeah. yeah. My favourite thing last night, I would say was the presentation by the chief engineer of the car who explained that this was a car for his generation and he showed his family pictures of him and his wife and the family cat with his car parked in a tiny Japanese car parking space in crammed Japan, which is, you know, full to the brim. And the car was full to the brim as well. He had a couple of mountain bikes in the back of this thing, tents, all sorts of things. And I thought that was a lovely human touch. But my, yeah, good. but my absolute favourite thing was this guy's name for a car designer or a car engineer. He's got the perfect name, and if Toyota were smart, they would use this man's name to market their first eco Toyota supercar, and they would have to give it his last name, which is Mura. <laughs> he was Mura-san. I can't remember his first name, but his last name, Japanese, Mura. He was born to design cars, wasn't he? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. We've got to go and get a flight now. He was Zog. Goodbye. And I was Gareth. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site or follow us on Twitter, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! (laughs)